everything we do, we give glory and praise to our blessed Savior. Just a note from Bridget Finley, just a Crossroads family. Thank you so much for all of your prayers over the last few months as her mom uh, passed with cancer. I'm forever grateful. Thank you for all the beautiful flower arrangements. Your thoughtfulness is so appreciated. Love, Bridget. Just a note there. We have so many people have gone on to be with the Lord this past month or so, and I mean to tell you, Heaven is getting sweeter all the time. How many are ready for heaven? Would you raise your hand and say amen? amen. So be it, Lord, come get us. And uh, what a joy it is. What a joy it is to know that heaven is our final destination. Today I'm speaking on the subject, reaching our final destination, heaven. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23 is our text verse. We've been doing a series entitled, Are We There Yet? As you well know, this is vacation month, and one of the first things we hear from the kiddies in the back is, are we there yet? Wherever we're planning to go, there's this excitement to get to the place that we're heading. And, you know, I thought about that, are we there yet? And I thought about, we are also on a journey. The Christian life is like a journey. In fact, July 1st, we talked about finding our map. That is developing a sense of direction. This is our map. This is the direction that we find in our life. Secondly, July 9th, we spoke on getting on the spiritual interstate. That is the highway that God, a great highway that Isaiah talked about. That highway is a road that just overrides all the small back roads that takes us to our destination, a clear-cut path. And then July 16th, we talked about gaining spiritual momentum, not allowing things to stop us, but to keep moving spiritually, stay alive spiritually, feed the spiritual man, and keep moving for God. And then July 23rd, we spoke last week on guarding against the wrong detours, all the distractions, all the areas that can pull us off from the interstate to distract us from going to the destination that we're going to make. We are all moving toward heaven. Did you know that this morning? Every day, every Sunday, we are getting a little closer to heaven. I'm excited about that, aren't you? Every day I live, I think this is one day closer I'm going to be able to get to heaven. So I'm excited about that. So today I'm going to speak on reaching our final destination. I'm going to speak to you on the subject of heaven. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us to see the beauty of heaven. Help us to see what the scripture teaches about heaven. God, we've not been there. But Lord, we can look into your word and you have given us glimpses. You've given us some sights that we can read to the scriptures of heaven. Father, I pray today, cause us to be a heaven-minded church a heavenly-minded people. And, Father, I pray, help us to get excited about our final destination. And, Father, we'll thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. It, it really is true. Our life can be compared to a journey. For some people, this journey might be a long life process. Some people live a long time. My dad will be 96 years old uh, in October, and he's lived a good long life, and he's continuing to live for the Lord. Uh, some people live a very short life. Uh, we've had a lot of funerals, and a lot of people under the age of 40, some under the age of 50, uh, that are moved on. In fact, we've buried children, and uh, we, I've seen how God has taken people at all different levels of their life. 
But you see, I often think of this. There's no such thing as a time factor in heaven. Uh, whether we live to be 20 years old or we live to be 100 years old, none of that matters because one day is like a thousand years to the Lord. Time does not matter. It's the most important thing is what you do with that time that God gives you, the choices that you make in that window of time. And we've been talking about this spiritual highway that God has given to us, an inner state of holiness, which is an actual metaphor of a road or a path that God has provided for his children to walk daily on. Spending time with God in his word is so important. I have to feed on the Word of God every day. I use that Bible gateway, and every morning it just pops up on my, uh, on my phone, on my laptop, and I can just read the Word of God. I have different passages that I just read, and I ask God to speak to my heart. And every day there are precepts, there are directives, there's concepts, there are things that God wants to implement in my life only through the Word of God. And then time with prayer. Prayer is not just telling God what we need, and he's not some genie in the heavens that we rub this can, and we just think that, that God's going to be our cosmic bellhop, and he's going to come running to us. But God wants to communicate to us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to give, pour into us wisdom. He wants to pour into us strength to be able to live throughout the day. He wants us to listen to him. He wants to commune with us. The very purpose of being saved is that we might have a relationship with God, not just a factor of religion. I have found that God's highway is a lifestyle that's been paved by precepts, commands, and directives from the Bible, and then a life that is yielded to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. In fact, millions of believers have already walked before us. I just know this, this past year, this year, many godly, wonderful Christian people that have moved on and they've already reached their final destination. They, they, there was a grand entrance for them and there was this great welcoming and I, I, I would love to have seen that, but I can see it through the eye of faith. I can see it through the eye of the scriptures. There's going to be a great welcoming day for you and I if we finish well. And along this journey, this Christian life, we have delays, detours, discouragements, dangers, temptations. But when we come to understand that God has mapped out a direction for us, and it's our responsibility to lay our heart to his heart, and to follow him fully, and to surrender our lives into his leadership, it is then that God begins to bless our lives, and takes our lives into meaningful directions. And this morning, I just want to share three thoughts about our final destination, heaven. How many want to go to heaven today? Amen? I do. I, I'm excited about heaven. All right, first of all, my first thought is our final destination involves a constant pursuit. And I like what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And it says, since you have been risen to new life with Christ, this is what he says, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then he says this, watch. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Think about the things of heaven, not of the things of the earth. And then he says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I believe we grow in faith when we begin to think about our final destination. It's interesting, we live in a time where credit cards allow us to own what we can't afford, go where we wouldn't be able to go, and to do what would otherwise be impossible for us. And then we begin paying, hopefully. 
And sometimes people allow their indebtedness to steadily increase until they can't meet all their obligations, and then there's problems that result. The credit problem is symptomatic of an attitude that says, I want, I want, when I want it. And it's the mindset of this age of postponing anything. And we prefer, in this generation, in this 21st century, we prefer instant gratification, gladly sacrificing the future on the altar of the immediate. And unfortunately, the church has fallen prey to such a materialistic indulgence rather than setting their affections above. And there's a danger by not putting your affection on heavenly things. There's a danger of being focused in this world and not focused on God rather than laying up their treasures in heaven. Because the church doesn't have its mind on heaven, it tends to be indulgent and self-centered and weak. It, it, its present, com present comfort consumes their thoughts and entertains only the passing thoughts of heaven. And in order to reach our final destination, we must be prepared and we must be equipped and we've got to be fueled to reach our destination. Whenever we would get on a trip, we put all the kids in, we packed the car, packed our suitcases. We knew that we had to go from point A to point B, and we had a final destination, whether it was Disney World or whether it's somewhere out west or, or something that we wanted to see. We were excited. We looked at the travel uh, agency booklets. We, we looked at all the wonderful things to experience there, and we went with an enthusiasm and an excitement. And many times, we as God's people, we get saved, but God didn't save us just to sit and then sour. He saved us so that we might be excited about this grand city that all of us are heading to. He wants us to be fueled and focused solely on the greatest thing ahead, and that is coming into the dwelling place of God and coming into the place of God's children and God's family. Wisdom is knowing the reality of, of eternity and making the right choices. Many Old Testament saints followed this rule. They lived their lives looking for the eternal and, and many looking for that city of God. They kept their eyes on heaven and they followed their hearts right into the kingdom of God. Hebrews 11.10 said Abraham was confidently looking for a city with eternal foundations and a city designed and built by God. He knew there was more to this life. He knew that he was a child of God. And he sought and he looked for the city of God. We too are longing for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. In ancient times, the city was a place of safety and refuge. The nomadic people at that period of time were especially vulnerable to robbers and thieves and, and different elements of weather. And imagine months of just wandering out in a dangerous territory, how refreshing it was to enter the protection of a walled city. And every Christian needs to see himself as a pilgrim. We're going through a dangerous world, but thank God for the protection that God provides provides on the interstate highway. Thank God for the blessing that he gives us. And we will be with him very soon, just as the disciples were with Jesus after the resurrection. Just like Thomas, who saw Jesus resurrected in his glorified body, he touched the Lord. And, and just imagine one day we will sit with Jesus, we will sing with Jesus, and we will, and we will the wonders and glories of heaven with Jesus. 
So our final destination begins with a tremendous pursuit. We are heading for a heavenly city. This is not our home. We're just passing through. We're just pilgrims. We can't throw our roots down here. We know we don't have long here. Have long. We know that our end is, is close. Is we know that there's nothing here that the world can offer us as far as income, as ineffection and peace. It has none of those things. All of our eternal wealth and glory is in heaven. It 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 embraces the prize of heaven. There's a prize of heaven. There's a reward of heaven. Philippians 3, 14 says, Paul said, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And in reality, everything that is precious to us as Christians is in heaven. When our loved ones go to heaven, heaven becomes more precious. My mom's there. My brother's there. 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 I told my wife, let me sit on this chair. I told my wife the other day, I told you I was ready for heaven. I uh, told my wife the other day, I had a dream. And uh, you don't have to tell you, but I know the time is, is a little late, is a little late, is a little late, is a little And uh, it's one of those dreams you wake up and you're like, did this actually happen? It happened. And I dreamed that my dad had a little, my dad had a little, my dad had a little like a peninsula in Michigan, and it's on a little private lake, and the, the cabin was built, and the cabin was uh, mid-1800s, late 1800s, it's very, very old. And, uh, and I, we went up there in 2009, that was the last time I was there. And, uh, in 2009, I woke up in the middle of the night, but I heard laughter and talking downstairs. It was just my daughter and I. We, I. we went up there to spend time to relax. And I kept hearing all this. It was like in the middle of the night. And I thought somebody broke into the cabin. My heart started beating fast. And I thought, where's the baseball bat? You know, I got to get something. You know, I'm thinking, I'm hearing things. And so, but I was, you know, you caught the tail end of a dream and it's like, you don't know if it was real or not real. But I just dreamed about that exact same dream just the other day, and I woke up and I told my wife, and I told her, you know what, I dreamed I was in that old cabin, and I heard my mom down there, my mom loved to cook, and, and all of our loved ones were living then, 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 down there. I heard uh, my grandmother had a particular laugh about herself, I heard her talking, I heard my grandmother Kuzma talking, and I heard... Um, all my aunts and uncles who are all now in heaven. And I heard this gathering of people. And I, in this dream, I was trying to distinctively hear their voices. And it was so good to hear even the voice of my mom in this dream. It was like I could hear her talk and laugh, and it was so neat. And I saw it. I was at the, it was the, the, uh, the cabin has a little loft upstairs. had a little stairwell to go down. And I was not allowed. I just I could not get past the stairwell to go downstairs to see the people that I loved who are on the other side. It was just a dream. And I woke up that morning and I thought, well, I hope that's not an omen. I'm going to be going down that stairwell soon. But I woke up that morning thinking, what a joy it would have been if I could have gotten down those steps and to see the laughter. My mom, she loved to have a lot of people in the house. She was a great cook. And uh, she cooked blueberry pies. She'd do uh, what we call missionary pot food, where the ravioli with a lot of spaghetti sauce, and she just cooked biscuits. She just cooked everything, and, and all of our family would come down to that cabin, and, and sometimes there'd be 30 or 40-some people down there, and we would just have the best time. 
And now when I go up to Michigan, almost every song, they're in heaven now. So instead of seeing them down at the cabin, sometimes we go to the cemeteries to see where they're laid out. And their bodies are there, but their souls and spirits are very much in heaven. I woke up that morning thinking about what a grand reunion that's going to be when we get to heaven. Because all of those voices, all of those people that we love dearly in this earth, one day we're going to embrace them again. And my friends, when we get together the second time, we're never going to part again. Amen? I thought about everything that is precious to us as Christians is already in heaven. Number one, our Heavenly Father. The, the, the name Father, in fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9, pray then in this way, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father's in heaven. That denotes a strong relationship, God's loving protection over us. And then I think about our Savior, Matthew 6, 9 says, pray then in this way, our, uh, uh, that Christ did not enter into a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of a true one, but into heaven itself, now appears in the presence of God for us, Jesus is in heaven. One of the most wonderful things that's going to happen when we leave this world is we're going to see Jesus. So what is it going to be like? It's going to be marvelous. My prayer team, Diane and all those guys, got me a, uh, a picture of Jesus, of what Jesus possibly, some people, really looks like. I have it in my office. And uh, there are people who've passed and who've come back and said, yes, that's what he looks like. And I said, I want that picture. And, and my prayer group got that picture for me. And I keep that thing right near my seat. And I look at that picture. Because one day I'm going to see him face to face. I'm going to hear his voice. And this song we just sang of the praise thing, Jesus is the center of it all. Heaven is going to be precious because Jesus Christ is going to be there and we're going to dwell with him. I love that, don't you? The third thing that heaven is precious is our family isn't, isn't heaven. Notice what Hebrews 12, 23 says, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. A lot of people that we've gotten to know in this life are already over there. A lot of the family of God, the church of God. The remnant of the church is, is right here. This is just a little bit left. Over 2,000 years, the church has been gathering up into that place called heaven. And heaven is precious because I have loved ones there. You have loved ones there. In fact, the Bible says here that our, the church of the firstborn are enrolled. Our brothers and sisters are, of the faith are there, Old and New Testament. And we don't have to sorrow like the world sorrows because we have this blessed hope that not only are we going to see Jesus, but we're going to see our loved ones who suffered in this world and now who are perfected into the heavenlies. And then, fourthly, our names are in heaven, our new name. I have, I have a new name. The Bible says it's written down in glory. And it's mine. Luke 10, 20, Jesus said, Rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. My name's there. Is your name there? It's probably on a plaque. It's on probably a, by my mansion. When, I, when they come and call me home or the rapture takes place, the angels of God are going to say, Tim, here's your place. And my name is going to be there. My name is going to be on the roll. Our names are going to be there. 
by saying that our names are written in heaven, Christ assures us that we have a title deed to the property in heaven. And then, fifthly, our inheritance is in heaven. First Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, His great mercy has caused us to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. And it's reserved, it's reserved in heaven for you. You're an inheritance. If my dad was a billionaire, and he's not, and if my dad was a billionaire, and he left this world, and he left this inheritance to me, I would be kind of happy. But I got this little window of time to spend it, and probably never would spend it. But our blessed Savior Jesus, who owns everything, is going to share that inheritance with you and I. You know what, today, if you're saved and you know Christ as Savior, you are rich beyond wealth. You are rich in Christ. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm rich. Now, don't say, I hope so. <laughs> You've got to have faith. Amen. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible? You're rich in Christ. Your inheritance is in heaven. Number six, our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20, Paul observes that our citizenship is in heaven. In other words, we are already the members and we are already part of the program of God. He has already projected us into the future. He already sees us seated with him in the heavenlies. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of heaven in this world. We carry out the constitution of this, in this world, the principles of God's word. We represent the kingdom of heaven now. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our eternal reward is in heaven. Matthew 5.12, Jesus says that we're to consider ourselves blessed when we realize that great is our reward in heaven. There's not one thing that you do for Christ that Christ doesn't recognize and that Christ will not honor you with a reward. Jesus said this, you can't even give a drink of cold water in the name of Jesus without him recognizing that and rewarding you in heaven. It pays to serve Christ. Your reward is in heaven. I thought it was interesting what Brad was talking about. Nicole. In fact, I'm like, wow, that goes years back. But you know what? When we get to heaven, all the things that we do through a lifetime, a lot of things we've already forgot. God has never forgot. And he is going to reward you a hundredfold. Our master is in heaven, Ephesians 6, 9. Our treasure is in heaven, Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Jesus says that the only treasure we'll possess throughout all eternity is there. So as Christians, as strangers and pilgrims and aliens in this world, everything we love, everything we value, everything that's going to go on forever is eternal in the heavens. Nevertheless, the church in this century has tended to be self-indulgent, proof that many Christians have lost their heavenly perspective. Don't throw your roots down here. You're just passing through. You never know when you're going to get a doctor's report. It's going to catch you by surprise that you've got months to live or a year to live. It, you, you don't realize you could be in a car wreck and in a moment be snatched out into eternity. For what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Your values are in heaven. And then thirdly, our final destination enjoys the reality of heaven. I like what John 14, 1 through 3 says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't get depressed about this thing called death. 
Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. A place. Recent polls suggest that nearly 80% of all the Americans believe that there's a place called heaven. And I find that statistic encouraging because it tells me, even in this very skeptical age, that something deep inside of every human heart, there is this belief. There's got to be something more. And the Bible teaches that he created eternity in all of us. That's why whatever you feel your life, entertainment, it doesn't do it. You walk away, and it isn't long before you're longing for another thirst or another drink of something. You constantly thirst for the things that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. Someone says, well, well, where is heaven? There are several things I can tell you in answer to this question. The most important fact is that, first of all, heaven is a real place. Twice he says, I go to prepare a place for you. The place called heaven is just as real as the place you call home. It's a real place filled with real people, which is why the Bible sometimes compares heaven to a mansion with many rooms and sometimes to the enormous city teeming with people. That's where the church of Christ is right now. That's where the Old Testament saints are. They're in heaven. They're serving God. Did you know the Bible refers to heaven about, about 550 times? The Hebrew word translated heaven is plural, literally means the heights, way up above. Heaven is a literal place. Both uh, those words are used to refer to three different places. In fact, Paul says, I was called up to the third heaven. That's an interesting term. Which tells us that there are three basic heavens. One is the atmospheric heaven. It's the air that we breathe. For example, Psalms 147 verse 8 says that God covers the earth with clouds. This is the first heaven. This is when you go outside and you look, what a beautiful day. You go out and look up at the sky and the clouds. This is the first heaven. The second heaven is the planetary in heaven. This is where the stars and the moons and the planets are. Scripture mentions this in, 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 uh, in, in Genesis chapter 1 where God says, let there be lights and the, the canopies of the heavens and the expanse of the heavens, the universe. God made two great lights in the center, and that one was the sun that keeps the earth warm. And then at night, the moon, and then the stars. But then there's the third heaven, which is another dimension of life. And, and, and this is another place that God has developed and, and created, and it's called the divine heaven. This is the place where God dwells with his holy people. This is God's home. And one of the most amazing things about heaven is God lives with his people. He dwells with them. They are in constant communion with him. They see him. They look upon him. The third heaven. And it's not that far away. You say, how do you know that? Sometimes when people think about third heaven, it's like way beyond the universe. Far, far, far. So far away. But you know what? I believe that heaven is just another dimension away. You say, how do you know that? I I read the story about Stephen, and Stephen was being stoned. And before he actually died, the Bible says he gazed into the heavens, and he saw Jesus standing on the right side of the Father in, in honor of Stephen's courage to stand for the truth. 
he saw into heaven. Another reason the Bible tells me that the Bible says that we are encompassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. In other words, those in heaven can look upon us. And even the Bible teaches us that the Lord looketh upon the face of the earth from the heavens. And he watches the ways of men. That's why we can get there in the twinkling of an eye. That's why we're going to get there briefly. It's quick. That's why we're going to step out of this world and step into the kingdom of God. I used to love that song, Just Think of Standing on Shore. Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, finding it home, of touching a hand and finding it's God. Heaven is so close to you. Our loved ones who are already in heaven, they're watching us run this race well. Hebrews talks about that. And he says, run, and they're cheering us on. And our loved ones are saying, be faithful to God. It's worth it. It's wonderful up here. It's peaceful. There's full of joy. While you're down in the valley below, while you're down upon the earth, live for God. Live for him. Live for the kingdom of God. But what does the Bible tell us about heaven? First of all, the Bible says it's very glorious. It's colorful. Did you know that heaven has not only a major city teeming with people, but it's a land? I love that song, Beulah Land. Remember that old song? It's a land. The Bible talks about the corn of heaven. There's horses in heaven, some of you horse lovers. You're saying, well, I've never read that. Well, read Revelation. We're going to come back on white horses at the end of the tribulation period. And all God's people said... I'm scared to death of horses, but my fear will be removed. And I won't be the fat man on the big horse. I'm going to look good, folks. I'm going to look good. Just look over. Just take a gander over and say, he looks pretty good without all that weight. He looks good. We're going to be riding on horses. Heaven has animals, I believe, that people who lose pets, they ask me all the time, will, will Peppy be in heaven? I'm like, well... He'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm not going to say yeah or nay, but just maybe when you get there, you'll have Peppy nipping at your heels. Amen? Heaven's going to be glorious. When we consider what God has done for us, Jesus Christ, we are amazed at God's love and care, what awaits us after we leave this veil of life and go into the presence of the Lord. It's glorious. I, I, I love that book called 90 Minutes in Heaven, a pastor who was in a, in a, a plane wreck, and he talked about, he heard... He, as he thought, were flocks of birds flying above him. He looked up, and they were shiny and beautiful, and they were angels. And he said, I was taken back by all the music of heaven and the glory of... And he said, it just seemed like all of creation seemed to sing. The trees seemed to be singing. They had a mind of their own. The flower, everything was vibrant in color and beautiful, peaceful, joyful. And everything was praising and worshiping God. I thought to myself, what a day that's going to be, amen? Heaven's going to be glorious. Revelation 21, this is what John said. He says, and he carried me away. This was the angel, carried me away in the spirit to a mountain. This, this mountain represents the city, great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out, of, down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a, of a precious jewel, like a diamond, clear as crystal. This this, he took me to this city of 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, this cubicle mountain of a city, and, and he showed me the transparent walls, and then he showed me the city of God. Heaven is a place whose glory we cannot imagine. 
we will spend the rest of eternity exploring and never exhaust the beauty of heaven. Secondly, heaven is spacious. As we already read in Revelation 7-9, the people of God will, will be like a great multitude that no one can number, yet heaven will, will have room for all of us. There will not be overcrowded. There won't be traffic jams. It's spacious. As far as you can see, it's the land of heaven. Heaven is an actual place. Heaven's not just a state of mind like some people want to tell us. We read about Enoch and Elijah going to heaven without dying. They actually went to the city of God. Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection in his glorified body. Heaven is an actual dwelling place where God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all of the saints of God who have been redeemed by his blood. Number four, heaven is safe. We don't live in a safe world, do we? But heaven is safe. Not only is heaven a glorious and roomy place, but it's safe. Outside of heaven is the storm, the rain, the flood, the fire of hell. But inside the walls of heaven, of heaven itself is sweet fellowship, joy, and celebration. Heaven is a place of complete safety and security. We never have to worry. And then number five, and I like this, heaven is a place of rest. I watch people in their latter years of their life, especially they battle with disease and cancer and strokes and heart attacks. Life has a way to wear you down. When you deal with grief and you deal with sorrow, you deal with all the ugliness that sin has produced in this world. It makes us, it ages us. And we become tired. We get tired of well-doing, and we get tired in this world. We, we get exhausted, but heaven is a place of rest. Hebrews tells us that the faithful saints of God will enjoy a rest that will follow them throughout all eternity. Rest. Have you ever seen a mother take their infant in their arms and just hold them and look at that baby's face? That baby rests in the arms of its mother. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, 27 tells us that our eternal heavens and our eternal God is our refuge. And underneath him are the everlasting arms of God. We can rest. The struggle is over. The battle is over. And we will be rested in the heavenlies. And then number six, heaven is a place where there is perfect understanding of who, who we are. The Bible, Jesus talked about when you get to heaven, you're going to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you're going to sit with them in the heavens, and you're going to, you're in the heavenlies, and you're going to talk to them by the wayside. You're going to see Daniel. You're going to see Esther, which we have a play coming up in October. You're going to be able to see the great saints of God in heaven. We're going to be able to talk to Daniel. What was it like to be thrown in the lion's den? He's going to tell us. We're going to talk about Jonah. Man, why'd you mess up and not obey God and get yourself thrown in the belly of the whale for? And we're going to be able to talk to him, and he's going to tell us. And we're going to be able to walk the streets of gold and see the saints of God and see the Old Testament saints. And we're going to be able to commune, and they're going to know us, and we're going to know them because God's going to put into us perfect knowledge. You and I are going to know each other. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a special bond. So, hey, we used to be in church together at Crossroads. I told you before, we're going to have our corner called Hallelujah Square. All crossroads. I'm going to put a sign up. You better come. You better come. If I find you in somebody else's square, I'm going to come get you. It's our square. <laughs> our square. All crossroads, folks, just gather here. It'll be a, a great day. We'll know each other. We'll know the bond we shared. 
saying, what will, will we look alike? The Bible says that our heavenly image will bear the image of our earthly. The Bible talks about that in Corinthians. Yeah, but it's going to be perfected. I, I, I'll be a slender 150 pounds, black hair. I won't need these. My forehead will be covered with hair. I won't need this wig any longer. Or they call it toupees. Wouldn't that be great? But you're going to know me. And all the memories that we've shared in this life are going to go with us up there. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to share the bond that we have. But it's, it's going to be better. Because you look at me and I look at you. And, and we, we, we're like, what's he really thinking? Up there, it's like, you don't have to worry. Osmosis. You're going to be able to, to, to look at someone and read their hearts and minds, and there's going to be this perfect union in heaven. Everybody's going to be happy in heaven. Look to your neighbor and say, no grumpies there. Come on. Tell them, smile. No grumpies there. No grumpies there. You say, I'd rather be grumpy. Well, you ain't going there. We ain't going to let you in the door. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Now, number seven, heaven is a place of permanence. In heaven, there'll be no more wandering, no more pitching our tents here and there, no more yearning and looking and worrying about, are we going to make it financially? Are we going to be able to do, are we going to, there's not going to be any of that. There's going to be a permanence in heaven. There's going to be a security in heaven. All these things will cease when we arrive in heaven. Heaven is our permanent place where we will be with the Lord forever. We will be at home. I'm not at home in this world. I know because I, I know I'm not going to be here long. But I will, when I get in the gate, when I walk to the door, and when I see Jesus, and I see my loved ones, I know I will be home for good. And oh, what a happy day. And if you happen to come to my funeral, don't you dare sit there and cry. And let that man rejoice. Let everyone rejoice. Amen. My faith is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 4 says, We groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, and this body's like a flimsy tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And although in this body we groan because we're burdened by sin, sickness, sorrow, grief, death, we don't want to be unclothed. We want both our spirits and our bodies to enter the presence of God forever. And Paul yearned for this heavenly and eternal body. In verse 6 and 8, Paul mentioned this practical teaching. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. I say and I prefer, this is what Paul says, I'd rather to be absent from the body and to be, this is what he says, to be at home with the Lord. You find it difficult to say with honesty that those verses express the deepest desires of your heart. There's a tendency to hold on to the things of this world because it's all we know. We experience meaningful relationships. So it captivates us in this life. But notice what Paul says, at home with the Lord. We are at home only when we are with the Lord. That's where we belong. 
As we examine what the Bible teaches about heaven, we should no longer be clothed with our heavenly, I mean, no desire to be clothed with our earthly form, but rather look for this city, this city that Abraham looked and he found. We should look forward to being absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We should become more preoccupied with the glories of eternity rather than the afflictions of today. We need to spend our energy accumulating heavenly treasures than amassing treasures here that ultimately are meaningless. Jesus already told us, look around. The things that you are grappling for are going to be burned in a great furnace. After a rich man died, after the funeral was over, someone asked one of his friends, I wonder how much he left behind. The other guy looked at him and said, all of it. And that is exactly what each of us will leave. Even the clothes on your back this morning, you're leaving it all. You're leaving. You are going to a city sparkling like a diamond. The throngs are already teeming in heaven. They're already shouting. They're saying, stay true to Jesus. Live for God. Soon and very soon, we're going to hear a trumpet. We're going to hear a voice. And we're going to step out of this body that has caused us nothing but grief. And we're going to be glorified in his presence. And oh, what a happy time. What a happy time. And all God's people said, Amen. You're going home. You're going home. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Paul said, think about heaven. Don't think about annuities. Don't, don't think about all, don't get your head all wrapped up. Think about heaven. And let faith rise in your heart. We are going to a city whose foundation and the builder and the maker is God. Praise be to God. With every head bowed.